0: Hey everyone, so normally News Weekly does not have any ads. Um, I try to keep this podcast free of advertising. However, I do have a kind of sort of ad that I'm going to play today. Uh, it is a new series that I have written. It's available on Audible. It's a crime noir Full fiction series with a full cast production, and uh, it's just come out on Audible, and you can get it on audible.com.au or audible.com if you're anywhere else in the world. Uh, I'm going to play the ad for it right now, and then we start the News Weekly, and then at the end of the episode, I'll tell you more about that in detail. This show is called The Mist, and um, well, here's the ad.
1: A refugee family confronted by their worst nightmare.
0: The moment
2: it fell apart. When the kids started screaming.
1: A journalist finding the headline of a lifetime.
2: If I broke this story before anyone else, that would be my career made.
1: A small town mayor fighting for her career.
3: I realized I wasn't ready. No one could be ready for what came next.
1: A detective trying to stop a killer before it's too late. Whether he did it or not, that's not the point here. The point is. You've been doing this too long to be this naive. Medics, get inside. This is The Mist. The story of a family in fear. Where is she? A town Where? in panic.
3: You never get through this again!
1: An Audible Original Podcast.
0: Top Stories of the Week. Aimanul Zwahiri is dead. No one knew he was alive still. Also, Labor and Greens agreed to delay our climate apocalypse by a few hours. And big trouble in little Taiwan. All that and no more on News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sami Shah and welcome to News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly there's something ironic about killing a bearded terrorist with blades news now you know that old saying revenge is a dish best served on a balcony with a hellfire missile filled with wolverine style blades well it came true for al-qaeda mastermind ayman al-zwahiri we're getting more details about the u.s mission that's killed the leader of al-qaeda ayman al zawahiri That's right. The mastermind behind the mastermind behind the mastermind of 9-11 has finally been killed after a lengthy manhunt, thus allowing US President Joe Biden to continue a tradition begun by President Obama 11 years ago, then again continued by President Trump three years ago, which is the announcement of a terrorist leader being killed by an American president.
1: Tonight... I can report to the American people and to the world. The United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al Qaeda. Abu Bakr al Baghdadi is dead. The United States successfully concluded an airstrike in Kabul, Afghanistan that killed the Emir of Al Qaeda.
0: Abu Bakr al Baghdadi.
1: It was nearly 10 years ago. The bright September day was darkened by the worst attack on the American people in our history.
2: Our canine, as they call, I call
0: it
1: a dog, a beautiful dog, a talented dog. You know, Zawiri was uh, bin Laden's leader. We were united as one American family.
0: If you're a normal person, you say, knock, knock, may I come in?
1: For decades, he was the mastermind behind attacks against Americans. A small team of Americans carried out the operation with extraordinary courage capability. He was screaming, crying, and whimpering. Our intelligence community located Zawahiri earlier this year. It moved to downtown Kabul to reunite with members of his immediate family. After a firefight, they killed Osama bin Laden.
4: I have a very good instinct about things.
1: I authorized a precision strike that would remove him from the battlefield once and for all. The death of bin Laden Marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat Al Qaeda.
0: You know, if you read my book, there was a book just before the World Trade Center came down. And I don't get any credit for this, but that's okay. I never do.
1: This mission was carefully planned, rigorously minimized the risk of harm to other civilians. Let us remember that we can do these things not just because of wealth or power, but because of who we are one nation, under God, indivisible liberty and justice for all.
0: He died like a dog. He died like a coward.
1: Thank you all. May God protect our troops and all those who serve in harm's way.
0: I wrote a book. A really very successful book. It was an incredible achievement by American intelligence which tracked Ayman al-Zawahiri over 21 years and would have been able to do so a lot sooner except no one in America could figure out how to pronounce his last name. Ayman al-Zawahiri. Al-Zawahiri. Ayman al-Zawahiri. Ayman al-Zawahiri. Ayman al-Zawahiri. Zawahiri. Ayman al-Zawahiri. Ayman al zawahiri Zawahiri. al zawahiri zawahiri ayman al zawahiri ayman al zawahiri -Zawahiri. Yet Timothy Chalamet, they can say that shit all night long. The killing of al-Zwahiri was a remarkable achievement in precision bombing, targeting the al-Qaeda leader on his balcony and killing him with a modified Hellfire missile that didn't hurt anyone else and didn't even rely on explosives. It is a version of a Hellfire missile, meaning it's about five feet long, about a hundred pounds.
1: And what makes it unique is this. You can't see the two in the back, but there are six blades that as this flies toward a target, they pop out at the last possible moment creating a kinetic attack force. What that means is no explosion, just a tremendous force moving through a target. So something about as big as
0: a screen is exposed to the attack and nothing else around it. They basically fruit-ninjaed him to death. That Hellfire missile will now be available at Walmart's across America. Reporters in Kabul are now trying to get access to the house where he was living and on being denied that access by the Taliban are throwing shade on the architecture.
3: It's uh, quite a gaudy mansion, a villa.
0: Why you got a house shame him, BBC? The guy was known for his terrorism, not interior decoration. Australian politics is boring news now. It's been a weird time in Australian politics, with the new Labour government focusing on its campaign promises of delivering a new climate bill that would address emissions reduction instead of, you know, masturbating on desks while ignoring sexual assault cases within Parliament, I guess. Honestly, it's really hard to find something to satirise when they're just being quietly competent about their jobs.
3: The Albanese government's climate bill has sailed through the lower house with the support of the independents and Greens. It aims to enshrine Labour's 43% emissions reduction target in law.
0: 43% emissions reduction is, of course, an increase over the previous conservative government whose policy towards emission reduction was set at a lower amount of fuck all and I'm dry humping a mountain of coal while wearing a polar bear fur jacket. The Greens had previously signalled they would indeed support this bill, even though they feel the emissions reduction target should be 75%. You need pollution cuts of 75%. However, the former government's coalition is still not convinced. The coalition again challenging Labour's claim that a faster switch to renewables will lower power prices by $275.
4: Will the Prime Minister apologise to Australians? He's misled.
0: That's opposition leader Peter Dutton demanding an apology from the government for not delivering cuts to energy bills. Dutton, of course, boycotted the apology to the stolen generation, so it's a nice surprise to see him suddenly believing in the power of apologies. The bill still has to pass the upper house, but that is such an inevitability at this point, even the Great Barrier Reef is celebrating. There's some good news for the state of the Great Barrier Reef. Some areas are seeing the highest amount of coral recorded in 36 years of monitoring, according to a new report. Meanwhile, Labour's also come through on yet another election promise by granting permanent residency to the Biluila family. Here's Sky News canine correspondent Chris Kenny announcing the news through gritted teeth.
4: The family, commonly known as the Billawilah family, the family of boat arrivals living in that town of Billawilah in Queensland, they were allowed to return to the, uh, that, that uh, town under their bridging visas by the incoming Albanese Labor government. Well, there are reports just now, courtesy of the ABC, saying that this Tamil asylum family have now been granted permanent visas,
0: permanent settlement. In Australia, Chris Kenny, then, to his credit, does a better job of pronouncing the family members' names than American media did trying to say Ayman al Zwahiri.
4: Now, you recall that the parents here, Priya Nataraja and Natas Murugappan, they met in Australia, married, and have had their two daughters, Kopika and Thanaka.
0: That's pretty impressive. I don't think I can say their names as smoothly as he did. However, he did then use this opportunity to warn of repercussions.
4: I've got to tell you, this comes just as we get news via the Australian newspaper that another people smuggling vessel has been turned back by border forces. Uh, a Sri Lankan vessel returned to the uh, Sri Lankan Capital of Colombo. So there's at least six vessels now have arrived uh, since the change of government, been intercepted at sea, I should say, since the change of government. I would have thought there's grave concerns here that while most Australians will be happy for this family, that this will send out quite a dangerous signal to people smugglers and their potential
0: customers. Except, as has been stated repeatedly, boats from Sri Lanka never stopped coming, even when the children were in detention centres suffering extreme health issues like pneumonia and septicemia. In fact, here's a news report on Sky News from three years ago, when the family was still in detention about an influx of boats from Sri Lanka. The Home Affairs Department, which has revealed six boats have made the journey from Sri Lanka to Australia since May. It turns out the only time we hear about boats trying to reach Australia is when it's to make a political statement. Yeah, you may recall that one of Scott Morrison's final acts as Prime Minister was to hold a press conference in his own electorate on election day where he was asked by a journalist about reports that Australia had intercepted a suspected asylum seeker boat that was travelling to Australia. Now, in that press conference, he confirmed that that was the case. And then a short time later, a short statement appeared from the head of Operation Sovereign Borders, also confirming that. Then, in the coming hours, in the afternoon of election day, there were text messages sent by the Liberal Party to voters across the country, alerting them to the fact that there was this suspected uh, asylum seeker boat travelling to Australia. Maybe Chris Kenny just likes seeing kids in detention centres. Nancy Pelosi is going to kill us all news now. With all the destructive capabilities of the average American tourist, Nancy Pelosi has ignited military tensions between Taiwan and China by visiting the former island nation. The Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, has given a press conference in Tokyo
3: where she defended her recent visit to Taiwan. She said that America will not allow China to isolate Taiwan, but also that her tour of Asia was not intended to change the status quo in the region – the Chinese military has conducted massive fire, live fire
0: drills around Taiwan in response to this week's visit by Ms. Pelosi. Pelosi took a break from buying stocks in tech companies and being Speaker of the House to take an eat, pray, love-style holiday in the Far East. Do
4: you know what I felt when I woke up this morning, Delia? Nothing. No passion, no spark, no faith, no heat, absolutely nothing. I think I've really gotten past the point where I can be calling this a bad moment. And it just, it terrifies me. I mean, Jesus, this is like worse than death to me. The idea that this is the person that I'm going to be from
0: You know, because sometimes you just got to go find yourself and inadvertently start World War III. Nancy Pelosi has gone to Japan, to Taiwan and to South Korea. She's probably going to get a tattoo that says YOLO in Japanese and try eating something on a stick she buys from a cart. Sometimes you just have to go away to find out who you are and to find a diplomatic crisis that you created because, babe, you are worth it. China, unfortunately, didn't like that Nancy Pelosi booked her holiday to Taiwan and responded with classic Chinese understatement.
2: Chinese President Xi Jinping warned President Biden in a call last week about the US meddling in the contested territory, with Chinese officials reportedly communicating those who play with fire
0: will perish by it. I'm sure they mean nothing. Maybe it's a common Chinese greeting that's just losing something in translation. Like um, like a friendly bit of advice, you know, not to play with fire. You know, like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Take off your shoes before entering someone's house and try not to play with fire or you'll perish by it. Nah, it still sounds pretty bad. President Biden came as close as he publicly can to asking her not to go.
3: Two weeks ago, President Biden had warned the U.S.
1: military did not want Pelosi to go. I think that the military
0: thinks it's not a good idea right now. Oh, the military? That's cute. Does the military also say it'll miss her? Maybe the military wants to be tucked into bed tonight. Not me. I mean, the the military. Oh, oh, oh. And can you tell her the military says it'll miss her? Well, Nancy Pelosi did go, and it went about as calmly as everyone expected. China's temper has been tested. Beijing unleashing a barrage of ballistic missiles towards Taiwan. Its biggest drills in the Taiwan Strait yet, a day after US House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the island in solidarity. The missiles ended up landing close to Japan's territories as well as Taiwan's, and I don't know if you've ever read a book about the last few hundred years, but Japan and China have a bit of tension between them. China's foreign ministry spokesperson, Hua Chen Ying, took time out of ignoring the accusations of human rights groups about its ongoing genocide against the Uyghurs to condemn criticisms of its responding to Nancy Pelosi's visiting Taipei by shooting rockets into the ocean.
1: If these countries really cared about peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait, they should have persuaded the United States not to engage in dangerous, reckless and irresponsible provocations against China. Before Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, they pretended to be deaf and silent, but now they jumped out to criticise China's just actions, exposing their hypocrisy and ugliness.
0: Deaf and silent, of course, is how China would prefer everyone to act about its attempts to claim Taiwan. Of course, if dropping weaponized bits of metal from the sky onto a place is an act of aggression, then Australia can probably claim it's at war with SpaceX.
2: When a farmer in New South Wales, Australia, discovered a large black object sticking out of the ground in a remote part of his land, he thought it was a tree. But this turned out to be a piece of space junk which had fallen from the sky. The Australian Space Agency later said it came from a SpaceX capsule.
0: Nancy Pelosi will now visit Australia to inflame tensions between us and Elon Musk. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. So, like I mentioned at the start, I do have a new series out at Audible. I've written a series called The Mist, that's M-I-S-S-E-D, and it is a crime noir series set in a small country town in Western Australia, where a refugee family moves into the town and their worst nightmare comes true. What follows then is told through the eyes of the refugee mother, a local town journalist, the town mayor, and a wizened and hardened detective. It's a crime noir story that I'm really proud of. we got a full-cast production to work on it, including Pallavi Sharda to be the lead actress in that... No, including Pallavi Sharda to be the lead actor, who does an incredible job. In fact, here, right now, I have a scene for you featuring Pallavi Sharda as Anousheh, the refugee mother talking to someone from the Department of Immigration about what's taken place in the town. It's a little bit of a preview. If you want to listen to the full episodes, there's eight episodes in total, head over to Audible, that's audible.com.au or just audible.com, depending on where you are in the world, and look for The Mist, that's M-I-S-S-E-D, and you can subscribe to all eight episodes, all eight episodes, the complete story is available right now. Here now, without any further ado, is a preview From the mist.
3: Ruth Trozer, Immigration and Border Protection. Interviewing Anushi Sayed. So Anushi. I'm here to understand a bit more about what happened. In order to get
2: some clarity. (laughs) At least you didn't see closure. Of course not.
3: Now, in your own time.
2: In my own time, okay? Have you ever been to Nanitch before?
3: I actually grew up around here. This trip is my first time back in a few years, though. But I know it's got a low crime rate, very safe. Which is why it was chosen for your family. Uh, are you kidding me? Sorry. Why don't you tell me how it was when you arrived?
2: When I first got here, I, I thought it was... Have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? Oh yeah. It was like seeing the Shire. Hmm. A small, beautiful, peaceful village where nothing bad happens. In the middle of Western Australia with blue skies and clouds like... You know in Karachi, we don't have clouds like that. Karachi? Oh,
3: Karachi, the capital of Bangladesh.
2: (laughs) Wow. You work for Immigration and Border Protection and don't know where Karachi is. It's in Pakistan, not Bangladesh. Ah. And it isn't the capital either, but it's huge. (sighs) In Karachi, we, we don't have clouds like here. Here, the vastness of it all feels like it can swallow you. When I first arrived here, it all looked so safe. We set up a small takeaway restaurant. Indian food. My husband wanted to call it Pakistani food, but no one would have bought it then. Indian food, everyone knows. We called it the Delhi diner. Neither of us have ever been to Delhi, not even India at all. And we made friends. That's how it goes when you have kids. Kids have an easy time making friends, and parents have an easy time making friends with kids' parents.
3: How long had you been in town by then? By
2: when, exactly?
3: By the day your daughter was kidnapped.
2: A little over a year. Just long enough to start thinking of Nunich's home.
0: I hope you like that and as always please leave a review and rating if you do listen to the whole series um that's how the algorithm judges stuff reviews and ratings for this podcast and for the missed over on audible's website otherwise I'll see you right back here next week on news weekly where we punch the news in the headlines weekly